This week is the yard site of Moreno Harav Yaakov Kamenetsky, the Rosh Hashiva of Tarvadas, who was born in Lithuania in 1891. As a matter of fact, his birthday is Chaf Aleph Adar, Tafreshnun Aleph, which corresponds to the English date February 28th, which happens to be the date that I am taping this broadcast. And he was Niftar in Adar Aleph of 1986. Rabbi was born in a small town to a family whose parents, whose family was one of business people who felt that it was better to support Torah than to receive support from Torah. Details of Rabbi Yaakov's life are told today in many various books. The Art Scroll series put out a book called Rabbi Yaakov, but of course the definitive work of the life of, and influence of Rabbi Yaakov is written in the book by his son Rav Nassim Kamenetsky, The Making of the Guddle, Making of the Guddle, and the entire uh, history of that book and the ramifications of its printing are well known for the people who are interested in books and on the internet there's much information about this particular issue. It's a shame, in my opinion, that the book has not come out in its second volume. The author originally promised that he would uh, follow this first volume up with more volumes. But nevertheless, anyone who's really interested in understanding Rabbi Yaakov should read a book that was attested to by his son. And in fact, all the information that's found in the original art scroll book about Rabbi Yaakov was gone over by Rabbi Kamenetsky, by Rabbi Nosson Kamenetsky, uh, who verified the information found in that particular book. The history of Rabbi Yaakov, very briefly, is in the city in which he was born, he was known at a very young age to be a very bright boy, and he was brought up in the yeshiva world. His older cousin was Rabbi Yaakov Ruderman, who later became the Rosh Yeshiva of Baltimore of Ner Yisrael. And they entered yeshivas together. Eventually they moved to Slabotka together. Three of, of the most famous gedolim in America in the mid-50s, 60s, of uh, 1940, 50s, 60s in America were together there in Slabotka. Baron Cutler, Rav Ruderman, and Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. And they were friends from before that and re- retained this friendship and this camaraderie all through their lives. In 1937, Rabbi Yaakov came to America. After he had been in Slabotka and always viewed himself as a Talmud of the Altar, as a Talmud of Slabotka, after many years of connection with Lita, besides having learned in the yeshiva, he became a Rav in various communities in Lithuania. He moved to America in 1937, when he was already 46 years old. 
his name had preceded him. The Rav of, I said, certain communities. As a matter of fact, we, my family had some sort of a personal history with Rav Yaakov because one day after my father was Niftar and we went through his possessions, we found a letter from Rav Yaakov written to him in which basically Rav Yaakov gave my father smicha. When he came to America in 1937, in the early years of being in America, he became a Rav in various communities. He was in Seattle for a time, and then he moved to Toronto. In Toronto, his influence was felt many, many years after he left Toronto. When I was living in Toronto for four years, 1975 to 1979, people used to tell me, Rabbi Yaakov said this, and Rabbi Yaakov said this, and Rabbi Yaakov did this, and Rabbi Yaakov did that. His influence had been very strongly felt in Toronto, and it seems that Rabbi Yaakov had an interest in the Toronto jury for the rest of his life. He always inquired, was interested, and wanted to know what was going on. He became a Rosh Hashiva of Tarvadas in 1948. It need not be said, the standard cliches about Russia Yeshiva, Tamid Chacham, he gave Shiurim, he was a, known for his tremendous Avasatara, standard things that you can say about any famous Russia Yeshiva. But Rabbi Yaakov was unusual in the fact that his intellectual curiosity extended beyond the normal paths of what we, is, is traditional in yeshiva. In this curiosity about other things, he used to mention casually how he knew the names of the planets in Latin and in German. He would express interest in the landing on the moon and was very interested in finding out the details and understanding about it. He also somehow seemed to un- try to translate that into halachic terms and understand the Rambam according to what, was, what he understood as modern science. In general, very often, details that sometimes eluded other gedolim were very much implanted upon his mind, and he spent much time elaborating upon these points. For example... Most Rashi Yeshiva don't particularly study Diktuk or Tameh HaMikra or Tanakh in general. When one studies the Svarim of Abiyakov, today, in a certain sense, it's, it's wonderful. In a certain sense, it's a little unfortunate that the main Sefer that people use of Rabbi Yaakov is his parish on Chumash Emes Yaakov in that Sefer many times you'll see discussion about Ta'amei HaMikra why is there a Shvano here why is there a Dagesh here why is there an Esnachta here a topic that generally was not addressed by Rashi Yeshiva you also see a wide awareness of Tanakh and I think that's something that I personally have seen how his children, how his family has picked that up from him of learning Tanakh and becoming big experts in Tanakh. I said it's fortunate and a little unfortunate 
that the Sefer Emes Liyakov and Chumash became the Sefer, the trademark by which Rabbi Yaakov is known. The story that I've told before about the Arsameach bears retelling. When the Arsameach decided to print his Sefer on Chumash called Meshachachma, he wanted his Sefer on Shas, or better yet, on Rambam, Arsameach be printed first. Although he thought the Meshachachma was a wonderful Sefer, in many respects he thought it was a greater Sefer than the Arsameach, he did not want his reputation to rely mainly on the fact that he had written a Sefer in Chumash. Rashi Yeshiva traditionally deal with Lundus and somehow also deal in Chumash or, or Tanakh. So, Rameer Simcha insisted that the Arsameach be printed, the Arsameach, the Sefer of Lamdas and the Rambam, be printed before he prints the Meshachachma. After he has a reputation as being the author of the Arsameach, people will study the Meshachachma and understand who the Gadol who wrote the Meshachachma indeed is. Rabbi Yaakov had Svarim as Svarim on Lamdas. On the MS Liakov today has been printed on various Mesechtas and Shas, and various Sedarim and Shas, and Rabbi Yaakov had a plan to write Ha'aros on Shas, Shulchan Aruch, that were the crowning desire, perhaps, of the later years, once he retired from Tarbadas. In an unusual situation, Rabbi Yaakov left Tarbadas as a retiring Rosh Hashiva in 1968 and moved to Muncie. When he moved to Muncie, his plan was to divorce himself from communal affairs, divorce himself from being active in Yeshiva of Tavadas for all kinds of reasons which perhaps are known to the family better than known to the public. But when he went to Muncie, of course, the people automatically came to him as, as the great guttle that he was, and kept him extremely busy for the rest of his life. His plan to write his farim and to print his chidushim is being fulfilled more after his patira than beforehand. These farim, unfortunately, are not that well used in the yeshiva world. At least, from my experience, I have not seen people use these svarim as much as they use other svarim of Rashi Yeshiva. Perhaps the style of not writing a shir on a topic, or not dividing it uh, by mesechtas and explaining the shiurim point by point, is maybe part of the reason for it. But nevertheless... It's a shame that I don't feel these Svarim have really taken off in the yeshiva world. The Sefer, on the other hand, Emes Liakov, is something that you'll see in many, many, many homes, and is quoted by many, many Rabbanim. I have not seen or heard that they generally will quote these sections that Rabbi Yaakov refers to Tameh Mikra or to Tanakh, but they do use his ideas quite often. Right now I'd like to share one idea with you, which I feel is very typical of Rabbi Yaakov's person as well. In Chumash, we know that Yaakov had told Lavan that he would marry Rachel, and he would work seven years. 
afterwards, when Lavan tricked him and gave him Leah instead of Rachel, so Yaakov volunteered to work more years and to marry Rachel as well. And of course, we know the halachic issue raised by having two sisters as wives. And of course, the Ramban and others have discussed this question, how could it be? And many solutions have been found. But Rabbi Yaakov asked one simple question. Why is it that Yaakov did marry her? Now, if you're going to ask me, is there a heter? Okay, we'll figure out what the heter is. But why did Yaakov do it in the first place? Why could Yaakov not, not have just have said, since I married Leah? So, okay, whatever was done was done. I can't marry Rachel now. Rabbi Yaakov answered so simply that Yaakov had already promised Rachel that he's going to marry her. Inasmuch as a heter could be found, he should not break his promise to Rachel because of his personal adherence to Frumkai, to Halacha, which need not be observed. You could find a heter for this. Since a heter could be found, Yaakov Avinu did not want to hurt the feelings of Rachel that he promised that he'll marry the one other particular point of Rabbi Yaakov that I'd like to point out was all the people who talk about Rabbi Yaakov can talk about his lambdas, can talk about the shiurim, can talk about all the standard things that you see about Rashi Yeshiva. But Rabbi Yaakov just exuded sweetness, personality to every single person. Whenever anybody came into his house, whenever anybody saw him, almost every picture you've seen of Rabbi Yaakov, there's a big smile on his face. And I'd like to relate one personal incident that occurred between me and Rabbi Yaakov. I only met him once in my life. But that time, I was visiting Muncie. I stayed at, the friend, at a friend's house, Rabbi Shimon Cohen, and he had another guest at the same time, Rabbi Moshe Herschler. And Moshe Rushler was a well-known Tamil Chacham who lived in Yushalayim, who published many Svarim of Rishonim, as well as his own Chidushim. Rav Rushler at the time was also visiting Mansi, and he said to me one day, when we were both in the house of Shimon Kohn, he said, you know, that he's going today to visit Rabbi Yaakov, he'd like me to come along. So I said, of course, what a privilege, I'm going to visit Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. I went in, and Rav Rushler introduced me, and Rav Yaakov turned to me and said, Was macht der Vater? How's your father? Now my father was a well-known Rav in America, and many, many people knew him, and many people knew that he was not always in the best of health. He, for many, many years, he, he was known to be uh, not in the best of health. So Rav Yaakov asked, Was macht der Vater? How's your father? And I answered him. And then he turned to me with the same smile, the same tone, Und Was macht der Mutter? And how's your mother? And I said to him that, you know, wherever I go, and I meet Rabbanim, Rashi Yeshiva, many of them ask, how's my father? They all know about him, they know about his history, they know him personally. But I said, very rarely has anybody asked me about my mother. And I found it a little bit unusual that the Rashi Yeshiva will ask me about my mother. And his reply to me, with his typical smile and sweetness was, why should I not ask about your mother? When I came to visit your home in Baltimore, she took such good care of me, she prepared everything for me, she cooked, she baked, she washed, she did everything for me. Why shouldn't I ask about your mother? This 
attitude and personality of Rabbi Yaakov is perhaps one of the greatest legacies of Rabbi Yaakov. They say Svarmanchas, perhaps they will be more used, perhaps they're more used than I understood. His Sefer Amis Yaakov, the classic, everybody knows and uses. His legacy is also found in his family. All his children are famous Rabbanim in their own rights. His son-in-law and Shurin of, of Ephrat and the grandchildren are all a very well-known family. But perhaps more than anything else, Rabbi Yaakov was known as a real Tamid Chacham, a real Gadol, who was really, really a gentle, sweet, and nice man.